guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Liberty Diner Dish. I'm Ken. I'm Michelle. And we're about to jump right into another episode of Queer as Folk. We are up to episode 412. We only have two more. I'm happy but sad. Okay. I know. And you know, I like this episode, but it is very different than what we've been getting. But And I feel like as we were driving here, I was kind of thinking... It's like the other ones have been like juicy. They've been all the mm-hmm. juice. And now we got to deal with the pulp, you know, yeah, <laughs> which is nah. like just that real life yeah, icky stuff. There. Yeah. The kind of the fallout and what's left over after all the juice. Yeah. So. I mean, this this episode is going to give some really good talking points. Yeah. And also, I mean, a good segue for us to ask you guys your opinions, because I definitely have a, a ton of questions for you guys. And I want to hear your responses. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'm ready to jump right into it. All right. Well, let's go ahead and do it. So we start out at a parent teacher meeting with Ben and Michael talking to one of Hunter's teachers. And he's been doing really well intellectually. Mm -hmm. Um, He's extremely bright, but uh, he's not very disciplined and (laughs) has a little bit of a smart aleck, which we We already already knew that. Yes. But all in all, good news. Good report on on Hunter. Well, as they are leaving, they run into Callie's parents and... They introduce themselves and catch that Michael introduces himself as Michael Novotny Bruckner. Oh, you know, I, I picked that up. I'm like, okay. <laughs> yeah. Now, do you think he does that to make them seem more legit for Callie's yes. parents or because that's the move and that's how he feels? No, I mean, a little bit of both, probably. Um, but at the same time, yes, he wanted to feel more of a together couple. You know, as opposed to just, oh, this is my partner. No, this is my, my husband. You know, it's not my boyfriend. <laughs> they say... When they pass them, it's, are you Hunter's parents? Mm-hmm. And so it is a way to make them a unit. But I also feel like that's just kind of where their relationship True. is. And if he's going to be like, okay, we're meeting, meeting the parents, then yeah. Facts. My thing is, how are you going to just assume, just because they saw two gay guys. They must that, be the only They two. must be the only two, like for real, like <laughs> yeah. out of all of Pittsburgh. Uh-huh. Those are the only two. And that whole school, yeah. there's only one, yeah, Girl. one child who has... Gay parents, gay I was dads. Like, yeah. Okay, yeah. I was like y'all, y'all made a big assumption. <laughs> yeah. Well, as they're talking, it's pretty clear that Michael and Ben don't know much about Callie, but Hunter has been talking them mm-hmm. up to to Callie's parents, and they would love to get together. And I like that. That's not really how we did it when I was growing yeah, up. Yeah, <laughs> I know. But uh, I like that they want to to be involved exactly in a way. Yeah, I mean, it feels good, and also I feel like it's giving. Is giving Hunter also some type of structure, some type of balance and love and let him mm-hmm. know this is what's normal. I know your life before, that was an abnormal life for a kid. But the fact that Callie's parents actually like him or, and taking the time to actually come out and meet. Right. And the fact that they're actually cool with the two dads. Right, yeah. Because you know? they, didn't make, they yeah. didn't act awkward or anything. No, it was nothing mm-hmm. to them at all, period. So, I mean, I feel like it was good strides. Yeah, I agree with that. Well, then we see Brian at the doctor's office and he's having a checkup. And he seems to be progressing well through his recovery. There's still a bit of fatigue that he's dealing with, but overall he's gaining weight, which is medically good, but super bad for Brian's <laughs> vanity. And he says that his sex drive is back. He's got both hands on the wheel. There. Yes. Um, well, they can't really be sure that the cancer won't return, but there are no signs of spreading at this moment. And so might be too early to use words like remission, but it looks like right. he's moving in, in a good direction. And so Brian wants to know when he can resume normal life. And he's like, you know, recreational drugs and vast amounts of alcohol. But also (laughs) he slips in going to the gym. And I think that one makes him more vulnerable because Mm -hmm. other people will see that he's not where he was. Right, exactly. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. 
I think he he wants to feel and look more like himself. Right. The, the himself that everybody else on True. the avenue knows. I mean, he just want to get back to some type of normal routine. You yeah. know, like right now, like he's he's watching everything that he does, you know, mm-hmm. like he's everyone's babying him. Right. He wants to get off of that. Like, I need to get my life back started, mm-hmm. you know, and if that's going to the gym, whether I'm going to be working out or working something else out, you yeah. know, <laughs> but I need something back in my right. life, you yeah. know. I and, think he wants to feel like, okay, there's something beyond yeah this. like this happens it's not but... just gonna be this forever exactly yeah yeah well the doctor reminds brian that he's not 21 anymore and that is like yeah. the wrong thing to say to this patient doc you need to be fired <laughs> you have to know your your patients you do okay? have to know your patients you need to work on your yeah. your, your bedside you didn't <laughs> get to know him at all i mean like he tells you everything you need to know i mean just in his responses back to you i mean you should have known that was the wrong shit to say yeah uh, well, we see Melanie, and she is not happy at all to hear that Jeffrey Pendergrass dropped out of the fundraiser. Tannis is telling her that Jeffrey felt like he didn't have the support of influential members of the community and that without their backing, he couldn't successfully meet their goals. That sounds like a cop-out to me because you're supposed to be this, like, wonder kid at fundraising. Yeah, I thought you'd bring off the money, baby. Yeah, so why can't you go out and convince these people exactly. to do it? Like, mm-hmm. That part, you're getting paid to do nothing. Yeah. You're robbing these people to do nothing. Yeah. So you can live this great, fancy lifestyle. But no, uh, just disgusting. Brian had him right the, full, the whole time. Yeah, because he took every cent that they raised so far, probably including that thousand that Justin made by flashing that guy at the club. You know he did, okay? <laughs> yeah. He was like, oh, thank you. That's a good little check right yeah. there. Yeah, and Ben says what you said, that Brian had his number all along, and I'm sure Melanie doesn't want to hear that. But, uh, <laughs> Tannis is thinking, well, now at this point, all we can do is cancel the Liberty Ride, refund everyone's money, and only they don't have the money to Baby, he re- took that. Yeah, he took all of that. <laughs> so, yeah, he left them $25,000 in the hole. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Like, I mean, insane. Mm-hmm. And this is for charity. Right. So it's like, first, we got to make 25000 just to be a zero after what I you- mean, <laughs> they didn't. What, what about these contracts? There was like no contract set out. Well, that's the problem. In the contract, they agreed to pay for his expenses. Well, they weren't thinking he was. And he took all that stuff out and said, oh, that was my expense. The launch <laughs> party and all of that. It's like, we didn't tell you to go out here yeah. and have an open bar night at Babylon. No, like, not at all. And I guess they probably just weren't thinking that. Because he told them what he told Brian. Oh, yeah, we have this event like this. We get the drinks flowing. That makes the donations flow in. And so they just weren't thinking, this is going to cost us in the long yeah, run. Yeah, well, it cost them in the long run. An arm, it, a leg, yeah. and a cop. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, without this event and the money that it would bring in, they would be forced to close the hospice, which is horrible. Um, so they've got to see this through. But how? I know. It, it's uh... It's not looking hopeful. It is not. No, not looking yeah. hopeful at all. 25000 in the hole? Yeah. Like, it's not looking hopeful. Somebody needs to go find this man and drag his ass back. Like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. Jeffrey, you need your, you need some thrashings, okay? <laughs> yeah. Well, Ted and Emmett are strolling on the sidewalk, and Ted is taking Emmett to lunch to cheer him up. Because remember, he told him about the thing with Drew in the last episode about their affair and how it was over. And so Ted is being a, a good best friend, and he's coming to take him out for lunch. Um, Emmett is a little down after having to give up his fantasy, which he rehashes in great detail to the Ted there on the street. Ted looks a little bit uncomfortable, and I think he's probably just kind of holding his tongue. You know, mm-hmm. it could be that he's trying not to get turned on about all this, but I think he's just, he's kind of holding back because, like, I... I think it's a little bit of both. As in, I mean, 
probably both as in Drew is sexy as hell. Like, damn, Emmett, <laughs> you bag that. Yeah. And then two, I mean, you know he probably still has feelings for Emmett as well. So trying to play friend, listen to his friend, tell him about his new thing, you know. Right, I'm sure it's an awkward yeah, it's, thing. Yeah, it's a little awkward. Because, like, yeah, Ted had the thing with Blake, but that yeah. had a whole history before, and that didn't even really go well it, it didn't, between yeah, it didn't even go him and Emmett, you yeah. know, just how they talked about it. So this, I think, trying to figure out, okay, now that we're friends again, having gone through everything we've gone through, including a relationship. What are our boundaries? Yeah, how do we, yeah, discuss things like this? Well, Emmett is done talking about Drew Boyd, but they round the corner and run right into one of his ads because he's everywhere because Kinetic is a great ad firm Definitely. and they're going to have their campaigns all over the place. So then they turn to their left and here comes the bus yeah. <laughs> with the same billboard <laughs> yeah, poster. he's on the park bench. He's on everything. Yeah, you yeah. turn around, he's behind you on the little pill- um, um, uh, pillar. Like, yeah. just, he's everywhere. Yeah, you look up, he's there on the on a billboard. And so, yeah, poor Emmett. I like the lady giving Emmett some uh, spare change. Because he's still grounded enough to know that coins is coins. That part, because he was like, okay. Yeah. (laughs) Put this in my pocket. Yeah. Yeah. It would have been funny if he would have dropped it in his breast. (laughs) Yeah. Let me put this in the safe place. (laughs) Go ahead and put it in the titties. (laughs) Melanie is at a birthday party for one of Dusty's children. Dusty's their, their good friend. And her friends are telling her that she looks radiant, but she feels like an elephant. She's getting to that point in the, in the pregnancy. She is getting big. Yeah. They tell her that it's supposed to be the happiest time in her life, but... Oh, yeah. I mean. Yeah. Well, Lindsay comes in late. Melanie does not miss the opportunity to take a dig at her. And I just kind of anticipate this fight between them getting real ugly because, you know, they stay coming for each other with low blows. That part. And I was thinking, like, damn, can y'all just, can y'all just chill at the friend's house? Like, I mean, she throwing jabs in front of the people. I'm like, wow. And you're talking pretty loud. Right. Like, I mean, girl... Right. I don't know. It just it's gonna it's gonna get worse. It's not it's not gonna get better. And it's gonna get Looking worse before it gets their better. Their pattern, like yeah. their history, like yeah, I anticipate it getting unfortunately. Getting they go worse. for the yeah. jugular. Well, the friends congratulate Lindsay on a successful show and comment that it must have been quite the experience working with the great Sam Auerbach. Oh. And uh, Melanie says, "You can't imagine how attentive she was <laughs> attending to his every need." Well, Lindsay calls her out for that little remark when they're alone in the kitchen. And Melanie is surprised Lindsay decided to come to the party at all since there's not a man in sight. Oh, <laughs> just Lord. A, just a bunch of lesbians. Yeah. I mean, y'all should have had this work out before y'all came like, to the people's house. don't be airing stuff out yeah, in public. In public. Yes. I mean, um, y'all should have had this whole discussion beforehand because yeah. Mel is looking for that audience, okay? But also, I'm really not sure why Lindsay would think that Melanie would be getting over it that quickly. Like, mm-hmm. did she forget who Melanie is? I know. Like, you know? But also, it was very recent. And this is something serious. Like, right. I mean, I, I definitely feel like they need to go see somebody, seek some uh, professional help mm-hmm. outside. But I mean, like, it's still fresh. Yeah. And she has a shit ton of emotions. She is mm-hmm. pregnant. Mm-hmm. She has all the emotions right now. Like, right. baby girl, if I was you, I would just take cover. <laughs> <laughs> Hide. Just stay away. Yeah, stay yeah. away. I'm going to go stay at Debbie's for a little while. <laughs> that Listen part. Yeah. Yeah, well... Lindsay told Melanie that she was sorry and she gave her an explanation for her actions. But Lindsay's explanation might be the truth and it might make sense for her, but it's probably not the one that Melanie's going to understand. And you've already hurt me. And and now you're trying to explain to me why you hurt me. And so, like, if you had this question going on within you, I would appreciate it if you had brought that to me beforehand. Beforehand. Yeah, Mm -hmm. beforehand. And so, anyway, like, uh, we'll... 
deal with them some more as we go. But anyway, um, Melanie isn't taken too kindly to the fact that Lindsay needed to compare and contrast in order to conclude that given the choices, she would still choose Melanie. And I do think that Melanie, more than anything, is upset that she cheated with a man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that's something Melanie can't compete with, which is, I think we kind of talked about that last episode. But Melanie says, like, I've always known who I am. Like, I'm a lesbian. I've always known that. And Lindsay's like, well, so am I. But Melanie's not <laughs> really, really right. buying that now because of it, which mm, I feel like she's limiting Lindsay or trying to tell her what she is. Mm-hmm. But well, uh, the, I don't know. The only issue I have with that is. I wish Lindsay would have handled the situation a little better, as in, like you said, bring up the concerns and the questions beforehand before you go out there. That way we can work through it. And then maybe we, maybe you never know. Mel could have said, I, there's nothing I can help you with on this journey, you know, find someone, let's meet them, you know. Mm-hmm. Maybe there's something we can do. Maybe you can have this experience to really check yourself. But it came off as real sneaky. Yeah. It came off as dirty and wrong. And then you weren't even going to tell me. Yeah. And again, like I said, I, she's pregnant. So, I mean, mm-hmm. like, that's the ultimate disrespect. So, yeah. I understand why she's upset. I just wish she would have more empathy to know that everybody just doesn't know exactly what they want. You know, like, right. Lindsay should have the right. It's just she, the way she went, she went should, about it. She should have the right to explore. But the thing is, you put yourself in a relationship that draws strict boundaries for yeah, you. And correct. so, if you need to explore something outside of those boundaries, that means you've got to break the trust of your partner true and unless that's what you, you tell the, unless, unless right you unless you tell them this. in advance but yeah. since you didn't do that you've broken those yeah those those vows that you guys have made and had and, no intentions of telling the truth right <laughs> and so you might see it as you were on this whole self-discovery journey but all i can see is that you just trampled all over my trust yes mm-hmm. so yeah um, well, Melanie doesn't know which betrayal to never forgive Lindsay for first. The fact that she cheated on her while she was pregnant or the fact that she cheated on her with a man. Well, Dusty walks it, walks up on them and doesn't really know what's going on, but she totally understands raging pregnancy hormones. And they may be a contributing factor, but that's not really the issue here. And I'm actually kind of proud of Melanie for not taking that opportunity to tell her, oh, no, Dusty, it ain't about my raging hormones. Right. It's about this girl. Because <laughs> she could have easily done that. Yeah. But she decided to keep family business within family business. You yeah, know? for the most part. And mm-hmm. it could be that she's embarrassed by the truth. But even so, there was a time when Melanie did not care. Right. She would have put it out there. So I'm I'm really happy that she did not do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Well, because she knows deep down inside, she knows that Lindsay feels terrible. She also knows that Lindsay wants to make this work. But I mean, her guard is up. Like, right. do and I like, trust you? Yeah, and do I do I want to make yeah. it work? Like, yeah, exactly. Like, if you would do this to me in my most vulnerable state, right? Like, I mean, what? I cannot trust you ever. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, that's it's really no coming back. I feel like when you cheat on your pregnant spouse, yeah, you know? it's like, hard. That's very hard. Yeah. It's hard to come back from because they're um, not feeling their sexiest, you know? Right. And they have a lot going on, the aches and pains. Mm-hmm. They're carrying your seed. Like, right. I mean, it's, it's like, I'm already giving your child. Well, true that we share, but I'm giving everything yes. to your child. Everything. <laughs> like, like, shit, everything. Yeah. Uh, but I also kind of feel like Lindsay is happy to hear someone else call Melanie a raving B word. So she cannot. She couldn't. She yeah. can't say that right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, we see the guys headed to the gym. Well, the guys minus Emmett. That's what Brian, Justin, Michael, Ben, and... And Brian. And, yeah. Or Ted. Whichever one I didn't say. Oh, All of them, but... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't know which one you didn't say. Yeah. yeah. Well, they are talking about the whole Jeffrey Pendergrass situation and how he left them high and dry. And Michael is looking to Brian for an explanation on, like, mm, why'd he just run up out of here? Right. Because he knows. 
Uh, well, four of them have gym bags prepared to do some training. Brian is the odd man out. And when asked if he's going to join them, Justin tells him that Brian's doctor told him to take it easy. And Ted says, how about getting laid three times a week instead of four? And Justin's not going to let anyone <laughs> come for Brian's reputation. And he says more like seven times instead of nine. Uh, checkmate. <laughs> yeah, I noticed that Brian is very quiet during all of this. Brian's and, been very quiet, actually, yeah. anytime he's around the group. Now he's just, he's observing and I listening. I think he's trying to figure out where his place is mm-hmm. now. Yeah. Well, Michael is sorry that Brian can't do the ride with him. And Ted says even if Brian was in peak condition, he doubts that Brian would be donating his backside for charity. Oh, Ben chimes in. It's not just about charity. They all know someone who has spent their last days at Liberty House, and it could be one of them. He says they all deserve to die with dignity and with a friend by their side. And he says even Brian would agree with that before they all leave Brian alone there on the sidewalk. I always feel like Ben is shooting shots at Brian. You know, like, I mean, there wasn't like, you know, a a double barrel shot or nothing, but Little, little 22 or something, you know, like it ain't gonna kill little, you, but it's gonna little sting. Pellet gun. Yeah, a yeah, little pellet gun, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. ow, like, what are we doing with a mosquito? Yeah, I don't, but I don't know what Brian it is. Didn't say anything, no. he didn't say, I don't care about this, I don't want to. He nothing. said nothing, he had nothing to say. Why even bring up, yeah. and I'm, I'm sure Brian, you know, can stand mm. by that. Why, why me? I mean, like, what, what are you expecting yeah. from me? It almost it feels like he's taking over what Ted used to do when Ted would be like, well, Brian wouldn't do that. Brian was right. like, don't be tell me what I wouldn't do. Don't speak to me. I'm standing right here. If I had <laughs> yeah. something to say, I would say it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Well, I wonder if Brian feels a little written off. Like, not because they're going to the cycling studio, because that would be going against medical advice. He's not supposed to be working out that hard right now. But because this is a new dynamic for the whole group. Like, Brian is the strong one, the unshakable, immutable figure in their family. And so before they start poking at him about the charity part of it, they are saying he can't physically hack it. And it's not malicious or meant to insult him in any way. But so for the group to see him as though he's like fallen in some way and then for him to feel like his family perceives him as being weak, that's uncharted territory for this group. Yeah, it's almost like um, the lion pack, you know, like Mm -hmm. you have the alpha lion, the king, he runs the pride. And then he gets challenged by the up uh, the newcomer, you know. Yeah. Now, there is no newcomer yet, but, I mean, clearly Brian has gotten weak, so there could easily be a newcomer coming soon, you know, mm-hmm. that's going to try to take over the, the pride, you know. Yeah. And that's, the, that's, that's what I'm kind of feeling right now. Like, mm-hmm. they're still giving him some respect, but they're not giving him the full respect that Brian right. would always have, you know. Yeah, like, they are seeing him as human, which he is, but now it's like they actually know that. And so it might, it's that thing where... You see behind the curtain and you realize, oh, this isn't this all-powerful, all-magical being. Mm -hmm. They're human just like I am. And that should be okay, but that's a very, it's new to all of them. It puts Brian in a vulnerable spot. Correct. And then for them, like, you know, just for any of us, when you see someone who's your hero and they fall in some way, like, that just does something to the dynamic. Yeah, Yeah. it does. Like, you still love them, you still care for them, but. That, that power that they once held or or you thought they had, it's not like, oh, you're just like me. Yeah. <laughs> and so then you're like, what do I do with that? Yeah, like, like I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. How do I feel about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, we see Debbie uh, getting her neighborhood watch on out the front door of her house. There is a black SUV that has been circling the block all day, and she does not like it. The driver parks in front of her house, and Debbie goes ultra extra. She's like, you don't suppose that Vic had a secret life, do you? That he worked for the CIA or the mafia or a foreign government? And now that he's gone, they've decided to rub us all out. Emmett is like, mm, 
I, no, I don't Girl, think so. before I even saw Emmett in the scene, and when I heard her <laughs> say that it was a black SUV circling, and I was, I got to thinking like, SUV circling, but then when they showed the SUV and I said it was a Hummer and not one of those black SUV cars, like uh, like one of those um, you know, chauffeuring like yeah. suburbans or whatever the mm-hmm. case, I got to screaming. You did get to screaming. Because I hate each and every one of y'all. Now, I really love y'all. <laughs> but y'all could have talked. I asked, <laughs> was this the last that we got to see of Drew? I asked. You but when I saw last episode, you did. I did. And when now that when I saw that that Hummer pull up, I literally got to scream like a little schoolgirl. Like <laughs> I couldn't like ah, all the ah! <laughs> I am so excited. I'm yeah. so happy. I'm sorry for screaming in y'all ear, but yeah. I love y'all. Oh my um, god. Yeah. Well, Debbie needs to head to work. She's afraid to go outside. So she goes out the back and Emmett offers to be a distraction and go out the front. He goes strutting down the sidewalk, and the Hummer starts to follow him. Mm. Emma's a little annoyed, and then so he goes to confront this very tinted window. We can't see in it. And when it's rolled down, it reveals Drew. Girl, my heart. He orders Emmett to get in, but Emmett doesn't accept rides from strangers, uh, particularly not ones who don't show up or call, because that's the last we saw of that is when Emmett was waiting in the hotel room, the motel room, and Drew didn't didn't show up. I love how you have to change that up. (laughs) Yeah. He wouldn't even give him the hotel. He's giving him the motel. That part, okay. But Drew isn't giving up, so Emmett climbs in, asking what brings Drew to Queersville. And I love sassy Emmett in yeah. this exchange between them because he's not going to make it easy. Right. Now, like, you stood me up. You mm-hmm. made me play me like a fool. Mm-hmm. You hurt my feelings. You, I mean, he did the most. Yeah. And, and a part of me was kind of happy that it kind of, and like, it ended. I was like, because Emmett does deserve more than what, right. what Drew has been giving him. They've been sneaking around like some little whore. Yeah. I mean, like, Emmett knows better than that. Emmett mm-hmm. has always been the one who, held really high on the morals, you know? Right. And, uh, when it came to him, he knew exactly who he was and he wasn't going to dim his light for anyone. Right. But I mean, I think he took a back seat for Drew. So when it, when Drew didn't show up, a part of me did die because I was upset. You, you know, I was. I'm not going to lie. I was upset. But then also I was happy, like, you know what, Emmett? Yes, you need to move on past this anyway. And, but then once he started playing hardball with Drew in this episode, mm-hmm. I got to see Emmett well, take all... Well, the chasing yeah, after him, yeah. It it's felt nice good. to see that. Yeah. yeah. Because now it gave me more faith back in Drew. Because I was like, I go back and forth with the sexiness about him. And then I'm like, but you're, you're a total ass. Yeah. Like when y'all have conversation, like if he could just stand there and look and just be in his shorts. When he's, yeah. And when, <laughs> yeah. When he's able to do that or just like just be with Emmett and yeah. tune out the rest of the world. Exactly. Great. But that's just not, we don't live in that bubble. We don't. We don't live in that bubble. I just need that bubble because he, he could be so great. But um, yeah, I like Emmett making him work for a little something. Mm hmm. Drew says, my game has been terrible. And Mrs. Talk to your coach. I can't sleep. Take a Xanax. Uh, I'm drinking too much. Buy more beer nuts. And then part. he's like, I miss you. He just tells him what it is. Like, I miss you. And you know I'm on the floor. Yeah, you are all the way on the floor. You know I'm yeah. On the floor. Well, that one catches Emmett off guard. And so Drew's like, hey, let's just go, let's go back to the motel. And at first Emmett says, yeah, but then he stands up for what he wants and what he deserves. Whether or not he should want it. Right. And he's like, says, I said last week, girl, two yeah. wrongs to make a right, but this wrong, <laughs> yeah. it feels so right. Yeah. Well, he says he can't go back to the motel. And Drew doesn't really understand the reservations because he thought Emmett loved their motel time. And Emmett does, but this isn't the Atkins diet and he can't live <laughs> live off the beef alone. So, girl, yeah. Emmett, I can, baby. I didn't master it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know who, who didn't taught you the Atkins diet, but I, I can't. <laughs> 
Yeah. Especially them 10 inches you said he had. Yeah. Well, Drew can see that he means it. So he says, okay, we'll go out. But yeah, I'll take you somewhere. We'll go out. And then he leans over to kiss him. I'm dying. Like, Drew is showing the hell out, okay? Showing out. You came all the way to the neighborhood to come see me. You made me get in the car. You told me you missed me. You told me to give you a kiss. You agreed to go out with me. Like, babe, Emmy didn't put it on him, y'all. <laughs> he didn't put it on He sprinkled some of that fairy dust on him he when did. he went out there with the fairies. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was that man named? Harry? Harry Hay, yeah. yeah. Uh, he, he channeled his inner Harry Hay yeah. and sprinkled some shit on top of um, <laughs> Drew. And I mean, because Drew out here thirsty. Won't yeah. Go on. <laughs> I really feel like I... Should cover my eyes for the next scene. It's Hunter and Callie, and I just I know I'm too grown for young adult bedroom. I scenes. know I just, it just feels so wrong like, after they said yeah, sixteen year olds. I like, know these actors are are of legal age, but I just feel ninety years old watching. I this. know for real, and, and and we know we know like you said they're of age. Uh-huh. But damn, they look so young. They Both do. they mm-hmm. really look so mm-hmm. young. They could easily pass for fourteen. Well, and I'm taking years. them in as Hunter and Callie. Yes. they are high school students. Exactly. So yeah. Oh lord. But, yeah. Um, I do love to see Hunter finally getting to live his teen life and experiencing something that he wanted to experience right. on his own speed because he was thrown into that other sex life. Right. You know, by his parents and just a, his mom and just a lifestyle he had to live to survive. But this time, just on his own time. Yeah, you know? he's having a more regular, like a, I guess, normal teenage experience. Right. Depending on the teenager. But anyway, so... Things are progressing, according to the dialogue, because my eyes were pretty much closed. Um, (laughs) But it sounds like they are planning to be safe, so that's a good thing. Uh, Hunter checks in with her to make sure she really wants to keep going, and she is sure. Hunter tells her before they continue, she should know that he is positive that he has HIV. Her first response is to ask if he's all right, and I'm really glad she reacts with concern for him. That's her first thing. Are you you okay? And he tells her that he's not sick. It's just kind of there. And um, I'm not surprised when she wants to know how he got it, like from a blood transfusion, from drugs. Right. Hunter doesn't answer immediately because that's a whole nother thing. McCallie says he doesn't have to tell her, and she asks if anyone else at school knows. Like, uh, nah, girl. Yeah, (laughs) come on now. He probably didn't want to have to tell you. Right. But out of respect and for your safety, he had to disclose the information And because of where y'all are progressing. Yeah. What y'all are progressing to, yeah. But um, unless their high school is different from every other high school in America, if anyone knows, everyone knows. That part. So, yeah. <laughs> well, she promises not to tell anyone, and she says she's sorry for that that's his situation. situation. Yeah. Hunter assumes that's the end of their little uh, study session, but Callie tells him that her parents won't be home for a couple hours. She won't that me. Yeah, and as long as they use her ample supply of uh, protection, which she stole from her brother, they are <laughs> safe, right? And so I kind of respect Callie for seeing him as a person, like yes. as the guy she's been getting to know and not as some diagnosis. Like, But I'm really happy that this, his first real encounter with with someone is going down like this, especially after disclosing his status. Yes. Like that person is still saying, okay, well, I am still choosing to move forward with you, Hunter. You True. Know? And someone that's his same age, his mm-hmm. peers, because you, we all know that Michael, Ben, the whole gang, they're all um, empathetic to you know his situation, mm-hmm. sympathetic to his, his situation. But we haven't seen anybody his own age. And to see that this little girl handle this with such maturity right. um, and compassion, right. I mean, that was just a wonderful sight to see. Yeah. Um, and she actually cares for him way deeper than, than any illness because she still wanted to go through. 
Which meaning like if anything happened with the protection, I mean, she could be at risk, mm-hmm. but she's willing to take that risk, you know, yeah. because she cares for him. My own personal notes, just seeing my uncles kind of go through it and they weren't even with anybody sexually, to my knowledge. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. I don't know, but I know they, they didn't date anybody. My uncle, my mom's brother didn't date anyone since I was like born mm-hmm. I, I, ever. I never saw him with a woman or a man mm-hmm. ever, but he was positive. Mm-hmm. People treated him so different. Maybe because we're from a small town. I don't know. But people just treated him a little differently. And um, I can see how it can close you off, you know, and make you want to shut down and not disclose information, not want to be around anybody and make you want to do things like that. So I was happy to see that she offered him a a different avenue. Yeah. And I'm glad that he was able to, that he was honest because it shows that he respects her. But also I think it's important for him to be okay with who he is. And he has to own that. Yeah. And owning it and not making it. Not feeling less than or like, I need to hide this so people don't whatever. You know, right. I mean, people are just stupid in the world. But I like that he was able to enter this with honesty. Correct. Well, we see Emmett sitting in the diner staring at a spread of Drew Boyd in a magazine. And <laughs> Ted comes in and he has an intervention at the ready for him. He's like, I wish we had a meeting you could go to right now. Yes. <laughs> yeah. But Emmett cannot join him for a meeting because he has a date with Drew. And Ted thought they broke up, but Emmett tells him that Drew missed him and that uh, this man, who only a few days ago was in the closet deeper than a lime green leisure suit, <laughs> has decided to go out because of him. And uh, so Emmett's got to go get himself ready for a night on the town and maybe a stop by Babylon if if they have time. Did and, you see the jealousy in Ted's eyes? Well, see, I couldn't decide if it was jealousy, but I really feel like he is just, he's concerned for his friend because none of this sounds good. And so it's kind of like the situation, but he might feel like he can't really say anything because when Emmett was trying to tell him that he was concerned for him yeah, with Blake could, before, yeah. that didn't go over well. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, he's going to do what he's going to do. And so he's reserving that. And that's, I think that's a way where their friendship has grown. Right. Because he's not trying to tell Emmett how to live his life anymore. He recognizes he's going to make his own choices. Mm-hmm. And to some extent, like, I've got to work my way back up to being able to tell him what I think. Yeah. But, yeah. No, I agree. But also, I still feel like there's some jealousy in there, too. Like, I mean, I feel the concern, <laughs> for sure. Yeah. Because, like I said in my previous little rant, that although I, I kind of like the situation, it, I also feel a little bad because I feel like Emmett is dimming himself. Right. Um, this doesn't sound like a normal Emmett situation. But at the same time, I think Ted was probably happy that they both were single <laughs> and they were working on their friendship. And now that Emmett is back and with someone that's hot, rich, influenced, like, I mean, mm-hmm. popping. Like, baby, that's a major upgrade. I mean, his last man was you, Ted. I mean, come, no, 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 no disrespect to Ted, because you know I love me some Teddy, the, the new Ted. Teddy. Yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, mm-mm. I think it's a little, like, oh, really? <laughs> really? You getting that million-dollar dick? Okay, that's what you're yeah. doing? Uh, uh, the one that's famous and plastered all over Pittsburgh, that's what you're doing? Right. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I'm happy for you, kind of. Melanie is also at the diner, and she's been there since breakfast, and Debbie comes over with lunch. She is, uh, Debbie says she's practicing being an attentive grandma. But when Melanie isn't forthcoming with the business, Debbie starts practicing being a nosy, meddlesome grandma. (laughs) She knows something is going on. It's all over Melanie's face. And Melanie tells her that it's nothing to do with the baby because that's Debbie's first concern. She tells her it's about her and Lindsay, and they are in real trouble. Um, She's about to tell her, but Debbie stops her. She says, I don't need to know because whatever it is, it doesn't matter what matters is you're about to have a baby, and that's all that counts, and it's up to her to make things work. Now, I'm glad Debbie cut her off and didn't just listen to all the the drama mm-hmm. and, like, get herself involved in that situation. 
But I do think Melanie needs someone to talk to about this, though. Maybe it shouldn't be Debbie, maybe. But no, I think she did a whole. She does need someone to to vent and get it off her chest. Mm-hmm. Everybody has that person well, on the Lindsay show. Well, Lindsay has Brian, yeah, and I wish that, yeah. And then she, I mean, she has Ted, but I don't really know that she would take this to yeah, Ted. Yeah, and I don't think that her and Ted are there anymore like that. Like they're cool. They're, yeah, they're yeah. they're having to rebuild. Everybody, it too. yeah, Every, everybody's yeah. rebuilding their relationship with Ted. Mm-hmm. So I don't think they're there yet. You know. Um, she needs to go seek some outside help yeah. so she can go re- um, release and vent this off because she's doing nothing but holding on stress and you having right. a baby. Right. Well, and negative thoughts attract more negative yeah. thoughts. And so I would, I think without someone to help her work through this and process her feelings, she's going to get stuck in a negative spiral. Uh-huh. And whatever decision she makes is going to take her longer to make that decision if she's stuck in that negative spiral. And I do think what Melanie's feeling does matter. Like, right, that, it does. And now I'm not y'all gonna get me because I'm all out of my disagree with Debbie tokens. But <laughs> like, I think what Melanie's going through does matter. Yes, the baby matters and and keeping the baby healthy. But but Melanie's the host home, and so if she's not right, yeah. then it ain't gonna be good for the baby for real. <laughs> so, yeah. But I was happy that Debbie. I mean, I wish Debbie she used poor choice of words, but I'm glad she didn't get in their business because Debbie is notorious to for getting yeah. in the business. Mm-hmm. You know. And stirring it up a little bit. Like, yeah. so I'm glad she wasn't in that. And then telling Michael and getting him all worked right. up. So, I mean, good look that, you know, mm-hmm. she stepped out of it. But she should have a little more compassion as well for the mother. Because, girl, you've carried a child. Right. You know the stresses that, that comes on. Like, mm-hmm. you know what it is to be a mother and what it is to be a woman in general. Especially mm-hmm. when you're a woman going through something. She could have a little more compassion. And maybe the thinking is, like, worry about that after you deliver the baby. But just because you aren't talking about it doesn't mean it's not affecting you and not stressing you out. And stress is not good for no, a baby. So all. I get, I again, glad that she was like, nope, priorities focus on something. But I do want Melanie to be able to talk through this with somebody. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, over at the hospice, Jean is uh, giving Brian and Mr. Remsen a tour. Uh, that's Remsen Pharmaceuticals, Remsen there. Gene talks about the work that they are doing and reveals that he is also positive and he's lucky that the medications such as Indivir have proved effective for him where others have not been so fortunate. According to Gene, private donations have all but dried up due to the misconception that no one dies of AIDS anymore, which that's very true misconception. And that's still, what yeah. Ed Brown was working on when he mm-hmm. did that ad. Like, yeah. y'all paying, y'all have everybody ride, running on beaches and riding horses and right. shit. Right, and saying like, like, oh, just take this pill. Yeah, Magic cure, it's over. Let's play volleyball. Yeah, <laughs> and that's just not true. Well, Brimson says that he hopes that they will find the funds they need, but Gene is all out of hope and they're just about out of time. Mm. Um, yeah, so as Brian and his name is Lawrence Brimson are leaving the center, he fully expects Brian to hit him up for some money, and he is correct. But Brian is only asking him to sponsor one person, an amazing athlete and a renowned humanitarian. Um, and it's only going to cost him $100,000, but mm-hmm. um, who is generating a lot of goodwill in doing that. And I think this all kind of stems from what you mentioned earlier, Brian's honest ads. Mm-hmm. And they put real faces on the people that will be using this drug. And here it's putting flesh and bone on the people who, who use it and the ones who... It did, tried it and it didn't work. Absolutely. And so as Gene said, you know, it's not effective for everyone. And for some people, it's still too late for them. And so this is an opportunity for Remsen Pharmaceuticals to prove they care about more than just the people they can profit from. Yeah, more than the money. It's like, hey, we recognize what this diagnosis can do to mm-hmm. people. And we try to help with everybody. With, but, but we understand that we can't do yeah. that. And so here's another way for us to help. So, exactly. Yeah. So I think it's just a good 
good business move for him also. <laughs> it was. It was a good business move. And it also showed um, his client that he has a heart. Like, it's not just about, yes, it was. it's about money. Because clearly, I mean, money makes everything move. But it was more like, hey, we're here to help a generation. We're here to help a people. We can't do this unless there's people standing here to do it. Yeah. So, you know, let's just make this happen. It showed that Brian is compassionate. He has a heart. And he believes in things that are right. And he'll right. stand up for what he believes in. And he's not afraid to ask for things that he's um, that he believes in. Mm-hmm. I love how the seasons and experiences are building blocks for these characters. Like everything that we go through with them become, is a building block for what we, what we get in each new episode. And so when Ben was talking about a person being in their final days and not being alone, Brian is, of course, viewing that through his own experience with cancer recently. And I think talking about death now makes him uncomfortable because it's really close to home now for him and i kind of wonder how being at the hospice makes him feel like does it make him grateful for the people who will be there so he won't die alone because now he realizes that like oh these people are still going to be here even Mm -hmm. if i'm going through something that is life-threatening they're still going to be here anyway i just kind of wonder what all is going on in his head as he's walking through the hospice there right i mean probably all of that over at Red Gape, Michael is gloving up for uh, something far more delicate than brain surgery, he says. <laughs> and Hunter's there with him, and he answers a phone call from Callie's dad. They Remember when they met at the school, he said, mm-hmm. we want to get together. And so now he's kind of cashing in on that deal. How did they get the um, red tape number? Maybe. Well, Hunter talks about him all the time. All so facts, maybe. Yeah. Well, they didn't Google it. <laughs> well, phone <laughs> the book. yellow page, the white yeah, page. Yeah, yeah. Good old phone book. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's funny. Well, we see Brian and Justin engaging in some not light cardio at the loft. Girl. Justin is practicing his riding technique because he's taking the training for the bikeathon very seriously. That part, okay. <laughs> when I say they are breaking a sweat. Yeah. Well, they are well into the quadruple digits now, according to Brian, which is probably accurate. And Brian says that this session ranks in their top five do any of y'all have sex like that like i wish i could have some of this bomb ass sex they have and like the faces the body arching like i mean for real i'm like damn they having a seizure over here on this shit like i I know i don't i mean i have some good i have some good sessions but damn okay like y'all let me know if y'all have those type of toe curling experiences because i i want to know and then if so y'all teach me what i need to know because i ain't doing it right well, since Brian is a satisfied customer, Justin tells him that it will cost him $1,000. And that's quite a bit more than the two bits he was charging <laughs> Brian when they first met. <laughs> yeah. uh, but Justin has picked up some new tricks since then. And quality does cost money. Baby, so. I'm telling you, pay for what you get for, baby. Yeah. Uh, he says ex- to experience perfection is a privilege. Hey, so come through, Jay. Whatever the price. Besides, he needs Brian to sponsor him for the Liberty Ride. But Brian is already sponsoring someone else himself. And Justin tells him, well, you can't you can't do the ride. The doctor told you to take it easy. And that at his age, before he could finish Ooh. that, yeah, uh, before he can finish that, Brian says at his age, he can make up his own mind. Justin launches into all the reasons outside of health and age stuff why Brian wouldn't even want to do it. Like You hate cycling. You despise camping out. You detest all forms of charity. You loathe the gay and lesbian center and everyone associated with it. So Justin wants one good reason why he would do it and brian says because i want to yeah yeah <laughs> which should should be sufficient. enough <laughs> but uh justin tells him well but you can't because you're not in shape and you wouldn't make it the 322 miles back to pittsburgh from toronto and then brian says those prophecies of doom only incite him more 
Well, Justin tells him that he's only being realistic. And Brian says, we, we dreamers have no time for that before asking him when is the next spin class. Because he thinks with a little bit of training, he will fly like the wind. But Justin looks doubtful. I mean, that when he rambled that off, I was like, damn, that's a lot of miles. And then camping out, you can X me out on that. Uh, working out, you can X me out on that. You know, like, I'm thinking, okay, Justin, maybe you described me. Because right. none of that sounds... <laughs> I mean, I love the charity work, but baby, I'm not doing all that. Yeah. You know? Well, again, in this, in this situation, it kind of seems like there is a swap where Brian is the dreamer and Justin is the realist. Mm-hmm. And we saw this a bit... Um, when Brian first mentioned mentioned opening his agency, mm-hmm. they kind of had that swap, and that time there was a bit of a, a bit of uncertainty in Justin. I think it's the same here because anytime he's like, mm, "I'm not really sure what's going on right. with this situation," like let's let's tread lightly, let's be careful. But they are just getting Brian back to healthy, yeah, and you know, so and, and he's so, trying to go full throttle. Yeah, and Justin's worried about him pushing too hard too hard too fast and definitely for something that he's never cared about before so it's like why risk it for something that you never have you've never cared about about it yeah yeah if anything just write your check and be done like you've never cared about that and so i think that's why he's going that very cautious very cautious route but you would think by now justin would see the reasons why brian is doing this yeah he was this is yeah this is a a test to brian he's proving himself that hey i can do this i'm back to normal Mm -hmm. this can keep me down i did the 322 miles the doctor said i needed to chill but i didn't and i'm back you know like i'm 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 having sex too i'm giving you exactly what you need and more (laughs) you know like i mean you would think justin would see this by now you would but i think that fear comes in first Mm -hmm. like first he sees that he's He's afraid for him. Like, he's right. worried about him. Yeah. And so that is clouding how he sees it right now. And for Brian, I think this goes back to what we were saying earlier about Brian being relegated to the sidelines and benched by the whole gang. And it's from a place of concern, but I don't think it sits well with him that while he's working through his own self-image, self-worth, recovery issues, that he's being counted out by right. people. What I want to see, though, I want to see Justin realize exactly why Brian is doing this Mm -hmm. and then they stay up late together doing any type of necessary workout and training that Brian needs to have to do this you know if Brian knew he had somebody in his corner I feel like he because we have never seen Brian Brian barely have any words this season right (laughs) he don't really he just give looks and and his non-verbal acting is phenomenal 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 but I mean, like he doesn't have a lot of work. I just feel like he's he feels alone. It's sad a little bit. Yeah. You know? He's just in a spot that he's not been in before. Ever. And so. Trying to figure out how to come out of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Melanie and Lindsay are having dinner and they are seated across from one another. And again, look at their clothes, like how different, yeah, different. <laughs> they are. They are super out of sync. It's very awkward. Melanie is trying to do what Debbie said and go along to get along. She compliments the salmon, which Lindsay tried to make exactly how Mel prefers it. They are trying to keep things cordial between the two of them. But I feel cold. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. like, I mean, <laughs> yeah. it just feels really cold in that house. Yeah, and so they're trying. They're they're talking about all the normal stuff, but, uh, you know, just the constant work it takes to keep things going, to keep things in order, and how that never stops. Mel says it's what it takes if we don't want the foundation to rot. Shots fired. <laughs> subtext. Um, I love this subtext. Yeah. 
they're talking house and relationship. Yeah. I, I like what well, I like what they're doing. Like she's trying to bring up something serious, but bring it in a lighthearted way and just like rep, push it off as bills. But we, when we talking about you getting the foundation check, baby, you mean the foundation of this relationship. So let's start playing. Yeah, because you know? they're definitely talking about more than term, yeah. termite inspections. Exactly. Yeah. And um I, I truly feel that, you know, Lindsay wanted to just be over. She wanted to just pick that rug up. We're going to sweep all this shit yeah. under this rug. You she's know? like, I got my answer. Let's move forward. Yeah, I'm, I'm ready. Yeah. But, I mean, she's not she's not really doing the work to see how she really affected uh, Melanie. Exactly. You know, in this in this incident. So, exactly, I mean, yeah. Well, because Lindsay is taking all this as a good sign. Like, oh, we're moving forward with these plans we have with our friends. We're talking about the house, but not talking about the house. Like, we're talking mm, about us. And, uh, yeah, a solid foundation. Right. And so she pulls Melanie in and gives her a hug and a kiss, thinking everything's okay now. And Melanie stops her. She has not forgiven or forgotten anything. And she's just trying to hold things together. And she's like, I can't give you what you want. You want me to forget. You want me to have amnesia. I can't give you what you want, which she thinks is par for the course. She feels like there's nothing she can do to make Lindsay feel completely happy. And she feels like... um Lindsay will always be unsatisfied in their relationship. And then Melanie feels like she will always feel like she's not enough. And that's the root of the problem right there. She just told you exactly what she's feeling. Like until she feels better about that, baby, that apology is never going to work. And she's never going to forgive you. You made her feel less than. Because you you confirmed what she, her fears were. Her fears were, I am not enough. And then what you did, even if it wasn't intentional, what you did confirmed that. Yeah, it confirmed them, you know, and it brought it right to the surface. Mm -hmm. And until you can, and it's, and it's, it's your job to make her feel secure. You know, when you, when you've already broken the trust, you haven't really put in any work. You know, you just like, oh, I'm sorry. I did it. I only did it because of this. And let's move on. You know, or maybe they had some conversations that they're just not showing us, but from what I'm gathering, yeah, you really haven't had those that deep. You haven't put in the work to regain that trust. Mm-hmm. You haven't put in that work to really let her know that you are sorry. That was a mistake and you would never do that again. It was just oh, a fucked up stupid moment. You were in, uh, And like I said about Ben, when you were in a weak moment yourself, yeah. you make stupid decisions. And she made a stupid decision. She made she found somebody who inspired her, who woke and, uh, awakened something inside of her. That she hasn't felt in a long time. And it wasn't like sexually, because we know for a fact she loves her wife. But it was that creative juices that got her going. Her passion, you know. Right. So she fell prey to that. And mm-hmm. and he was a, a, a horn dog and a scumbag. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, yeah, she's a grown-ass woman. So she made these decisions. But at the same time, he did not make it easy for her. Like, he was pushing on her. So, I mean, I kind of feel for her. But, girl, you did it. Step your right. game up. Get it right with your girl. And I know that there are people who say, well, Lindsay forgave Melanie. And and I get that. Yes, she did. But everybody's different. Everyone's and we all recover different. from pain and hurt and betrayal differently. Mm-hmm. And on our at our own time, at our own pace. And it's like, again, something I said before. Okay, so are we always going to have this? Well, I forgave you for it. You got to forgive me for right. it. And you don't a want a relationship that works mm-hmm. like that. And so I, while I understand how, Mel, how Lindsay unfortunately found herself in that situation and everything that leads up to it. It still happened. It still happened, and that still hurt mm-hmm. Melanie, you know? So, And I think Melanie doesn't fully understand why it happened. And w- remember when she was at the Lamaze class with Michael, she was like, both of us, we have partners who love us mm-hmm. and who are devoted to us. And so she really felt like everything was good and fine. Right. And then turns out this was happening on the side. All of her, in her mind, what she thought was great and good, thought everything was Great, you know, wonderful. None of that was the case. No. It's, it's how she feels now, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. 
We see the boys out at Babylon, and Emmett rolls through with Drew Boyd on his arm, looking Mouth fierce. Dropped. Yeah. Okay. Pick yeah. my shit up for me, please. I cannot. I can't. The jaw is heavy. I cannot pick <laughs> it up. I'm yeah. in disbelief. They come over to the gang, and they are all drooling on the dance floor. It's Drew's first time at Babylon, so Emmett wants to show him a good time. I, I love it. Yes. Yeah. And the Babylonians are here for it. Like, everybody's loving what they're seeing yeah. here. And then we see um, Emmett waking up from this daydream oh. <laughs> because he is still out on his date with Drew at one of Pittsburgh's most famous restaurants. And it's nice and quiet, very quiet, <laughs> <laughs> because they are the only two people there. Like, Drew bought the place out so that they wouldn't be seen he says it's more for the privacy to avoid pesky attention and fans, but Emmett seems a little bit bothered by it. Um, now, I will say, I do think that Drew is giving what he's comfortable with and going further than he's ever gone with any other man, but still, this is not what Drew, what Emmett had in mind when Drew said they were going out. Yeah, I mean, it was a cop-out, yeah. buying out the restaurant. I mean, Emmett just wanted to be feel normal, be around other people, you know. And just because you're out with someone gay doesn't, no one's going to automatically think that you're a couple. Well, so, some people will, but. Well, yeah, but I mean, if you're securing yourself, it doesn't matter. Yeah, you know? like, but that's the thing. He's not securing himself, exactly. so he couldn't risk it. True, so he couldn't risk it. So again, it goes back, my heart hurts for Emmett. Yeah. Because that's not something, that's not what he was expecting, you know. He wanted a real night out. But at the same time, Emmett know what he was getting into? He did. What, what do you expect this man to do? Right. He, he's engaged. Uh, he's famous, like right. He's plastered all over the city, so everyone knows. If you didn't know who the hell he was beforehand, now you know exactly who he is, right? So, like, what what are you expecting, Emmett? Exactly. And Drew has been having these little motel hookups with men before, maybe not repeats, but he's been doing it because he told Emmett that. Well, Emmett had, Emmett didn't know that that news is not traveling around. So Drew is keeping this part of his life very, very private and protected. So yeah, I don't know. I guess. Emmett thought because he came back and said he missed him, maybe he was going to, like, come on out of the closet at this point. I, maybe that's what he was thinking, but maybe that's I a pipe so. dream. But low-key, I was kind of like, when he agreed to take him out, I was expecting a little something different, too. You yeah. know, like, I wasn't expecting you to buy out the damn restaurant. Right. And just the two of us there. And it looks bored. I would much... I would have rather rather go into the motel than she. Or just been like, let's go to Debbie's. Yeah. And she'll cook yeah. a meal for the family. Somebody. And they'll drool all over you, but they'll be quiet about yeah, it. Yeah, it'd be quiet. We're cool, but we'll be able to have some type of normalcy. Like, Because yeah. this isn't cool. Like, mm -hmm. it's not. I, you you know Emmett has to feel a little whorish, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because, like, you're already sneaking around. You, you're a kept secret. You know, he said he's going to take you out. Well, he did, but he didn't. Right. You know, like, ugh, just... Makes it feel a little icky. Yeah, it's like, I recognize what Drew was trying to do, but I f it definitely fell short yeah. of Emmett's expectations. He's doing the most that he can do right. at the moment. And I know? and that is, I recognize that. Mm -hmm. That's valid. But yeah, still fell short of uh, what Emmett wanted. Yeah. Well, he ain't falling short of no inches. Sorry, y'all, I had to plug that. <laughs> I had to plug it. Well, that's what Emmett said. Yeah, we got, you gotta make sure we don't forget the inches. No, I can't. Yeah. <laughs> Well, we see Michael getting the house ready for the visit from Callie's parents, um, Betty Davis impression and all. <laughs> and uh, so Steve and Amber arrive, and they cut straight to the chase. They were ready, okay? Yeah, like, they, they were, were very ready. They they went through Callie's journal. It, listen, 
I never I keep mad. a journal. I know, never keep a journal because I used to keep a journal when I was a kid. My mama, like, she knew what People was in there more than real? I did. They really go. I thought that was private. People no. really go through the journal. And so I started using this like invisible ink pen um, oh. and writing in it with that. But if you turned it like in the right yeah, light, you, you could, could see still everything. see it. So I just quit doing it. Girl. <laughs> I was so mad at her parents. Get I the know. hell about her journal. For real, yeah. 16, that's a very tricky age. Like, I mean, you don't owe up. I can't. I don't have any kids. So I don't know. But <laughs> yeah, you know I mean, it's I mean? important to be aware of what's going on in your kid's yeah, life. But, but they ought to have some. I some don't know. Maybe I'm just saying that because I'm privacy. not a parent. Yeah, I know. I know. For me, I appreciated having some right. type of privacy. I think it was it was good for me because my mom didn't have to snoop through anything because we, still to this day, like she's like my best friend. We have mm-hmm. this extremely open book yeah. um, policy between the two of us. Like, I mean, I tell her everything. Like, for real. Like, I tell her everything. She have not going on her life, so she lived vicariously through me. I don't know. It's a very open book. Yeah. And um, and maybe that privacy changes. Like, what the degree that they have when they're 10 right. versus what they have when they're 16. True, yeah. true, true, true. But, I mean, them going through the journal, though. Hey, but she knows she shouldn't be writing all that shit in she that journal. She should not have written in the journal. Anybody yeah. could have found that journal. What <laughs> happens if her brother would have found it? Right. You I know, mean, brothers love to like, yeah. come in and mess with their stuff. For real. Yeah. Like, that was too much. Mm-hmm. Well, so, through reading her journal, they discovered that Hunter may have exposed their daughter to AIDS. But Ben corrects them. Hunter does not have AIDS. He is HIV positive. And uh, people confuse the two often. Steve doesn't see the difference. Yeah. And Ben is like, oh, but there is one. It is. A very big one. And I can tell you, he's speaking from experience. Well, Amber and Steve feel like they should have been told. And Michael and Ben didn't know that anything had happened. So right. Like, okay, they didn't well, know. we didn't even have an opportunity mm-hmm. to tell you about it. But they try to calm the situation by saying they both seem to have acted responsibly. And clearly, Hunter told her beforehand, because it was in the journal. And Hunter tells them that they, they were safe. Steve and Amber don't want him to see Callie again. Hunter doesn't respond well to that. No, nah, <laughs> yeah. Hunter turns up. Yeah. Turns back into old Hunter on Yeah, there. well, Ben and Michael send him, like, to his room to kind of calm things down. And Amber says that they're sorry about Hunter, but they want to protect their daughter. Steve wants to know how he got it, which, again, the mind goes straight to that question, definitely when it's someone young. But that's very invasive it's and very not invasive. their business. And I'm thinking, I can understand um, Callie asking how you got it because, you know, like y'all together. Mm-hmm. And if y'all going to actually make this work, y'all going to be together for a long time. You know, whatever yeah. the case, I can understand that. But it's none of the parents' Right. Parents Why business. do you, if you don't want him to see her anymore, you want to eliminate any possibility of her catching anything from him. Like, you, okay, he's not going to be part of your life anymore. So why do you need to know that about him? That part, like, period. Don't ask me. How did he get Just know that he has it. Right. I mean, that he could have got it from a medical procedure. You don't right. know. You don't so know. I mean, that it's could none be of your business. none of your business. That was very invasive. If he, I didn't yeah, like if that. he chooses to offer information, then sure. But yeah. Well, anyway, Ben says it's a private matter, and I'm proud of Michael for not spilling it because it is a story that you could tell, and people would be sympathetic they to would. that story. If you told them the whole story of right. his shitty ass mom forcing him out here to do this since he was eleven. When, when did he start? Twelve. Yeah, I twelve. Think. Yeah. Since he was 12 out here, then he was on the street because he couldn't get into the right foster care homes and things like that. Like, this was a way of survival for this kid. And it just turns out that these adults preyed on this young man. Right, how did you go get on the adults instead of, yeah. Exactly. These adults preyed on this young man and actually, you know, affected his life forever, for the remaining of his life. So, I mean, like, it's really, like, he's 16. Right, and so... Yeah, but that's it still is a good not, story. Yeah, but, but it's none of your business. Right. So I don't have to disclose any of that. Right. But Hunter is hurt and angry and he comes out yelling like, 
you tell them or, or I will. Like, yeah. yeah. Like, you can tell them if they want to know. Tell them everything. Yeah. And, you know, I want to just hate Steve and Amber just because, but I do think they represent an honest response that people have to something that is clouded in fear and misinformation and uncertainty. Exactly. And they are coming up from a place of concern for their daughter. And so I can't fault them for that. Right. But it feels very attacky. True. Uh, I'm not upset with them. I think because in the moment, people come in hot. When you when yeah. you don't understand things, you upset. When you have time to think about things, then you can come back and reassess. Right. And then come back and apologize if need be, you know. So they just found and out. And they did come to his parents. They didn't yeah, go to him they at didn't school. They didn't go to him, no. Confront him at school. They did go to his parents. Exactly. So I'm not, I'm not upset with them. I hate that the situation actually happened. I hate that they invaded their daughter's privacy. Yeah. And found out that way. Opposed to them letting Hunter getting comfortable and disclosing information whenever he was ready, right. you know, because he owes you nothing. He owes you guys nothing. He only owes right. Callie. And he told the person he and needed to tell. And if Callie feels like she is old enough to make those choices, right. then, you know, you just got to kind of deal with the choices that your child is making. Because everybody knows teenagers are going to do what they want to do right. anyway, period. You yeah. know, like, so either... I have a sister, anything you tell her to do she's, or not to do, it's she's going to do that. And that's me, uh, too. Yeah. I mean, literally, that's me. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I have to find out on my own. Yeah. Like, I don't care. Like, I'm, I'm the type of person... I have to experience mm-hmm. it, you know. So, but but back to the parents. I feel like they 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 were aggress- uh, aggressive, uh, and but they they were coming at a concerned place, you know, for the daughter. And I thought they showed the mom showed some empathy, yeah, um, for him. Like I'm sorry for the situation, but at the same time, we have our whole child to protect. That has a whole life ahead of her. Sorry that didn't happen for him, but we want to create this life for her. So mm-hmm. I. I it's bittersweet. I understand it. Mm-hmm. And again, like you said, misinformation. Like a lot of people was not informed properly. Well, you know? him not knowing that the there's difference. a difference. Yeah. yeah. They're not informed. So you automatically go into defense and you get scared. You get terrified, mm-hmm. you know. And you think because you have HIV, you have AIDS, which is like an immediate death sentence. People think it's just a lot of information that the, the mass masses just don't know exactly. or haven't been taught because mm-hmm. it's out there. You mm-hmm. have to take the time to actually research it and get it, you know. Right. Uh, I do like in this scene that Ben and Michael are one dre- unit. Well, they're dressed similar, mm-hmm. similarly, and so yeah, they are a unit. They are united in their defense of Hunter and in their support of him. Also, because mm-hmm. I really like that about about this scene. Um, well, over at the hospital with Melanie and Lindsay, the baby is fine right now, but she did go into early labor brought on by stress. I wonder what's stressing her out. <laughs> But they stopped the labor, but she's going to be on bed rest for the remainder of her pregnancy. And the doctor tells her that she's lucky to have such a devoted partner. These um, doctors need to be fine. <laughs> Y'all don't know a damn thing. Do not speak on the home yeah, life. Don't. Okay? You do okay. not have all the facts. You please, please, yeah. please, please. But this is a win for Lindsay, though, because I think this is a way for her to spend a lot of time with Melanie. You mm-hmm. know, there's no escaping me. I have to be here for your every need, you know, for your water, for your food, for your everything, you know, right. and I can, we will get back to a loving place. So, I mean, it's kind of a blessing and a curse, but now, Mel, you can't run, you can't mm-hmm. fight, you can't be stressed. You have to listen to me. And you have me. to let her help you. Yeah, and you yeah. have to let her help you. So, I mean, this is the best thing that could have happened to them, really, because they really are on the rocks. And I feel like if they don't actually take some time to actually try to get back to the basics or, basics or talk this through, understand each other. We were going to be going to a divorce. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, we see Justin and Ted at the cycling studio. And um, it's been kind of small doses, but we see more of the two of them interacting lately. And I mm-hmm. like that we're getting these, like, new groupings of people. Well, yeah. Ted um, Ted spends more time with Brian now. So right. it's so easier for them to be together. Be, right. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, 
The class is about to start, but Brian comes in, making sure they don't leave without him. <laughs> Ted is very surprised to see him there, but Justin is like, don't get me started on that. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Trust me. Yeah, it starts out well. Brian is keeping pace, and he says it's just like Babylon on wheels. Well, as class continues, <laughs> Justin turns back to look at Brian, and Brian meets his gaze and turns up the resistance on his bike, like trying to keep up with, with everyone else. Then later, Ted looks back at him, and He's still going, but he's not looking so great. Uh, I thought he was about to faint. Yeah, well, and then, like, it keeps going on. He's still pedaling, but just barely. Then he's seated while everyone else is standing, and then it's just too much, and he's very shaky as he drags himself off his bike, and Justin and Ted exchange looks, but it's not an I told you so, I don't think. I feel like they really are concerned, and they're like, I don't know why he's trying this, and this is going to set him back, and Mm -hmm. so it's this. I do feel like there's more concern instead of like, ha ha, we told him not yeah, to. Yeah, it, it was definitely not a I told you so type of moment. Mm-hmm. It was one of those, it's concerns, but we, we got to keep pushing because, you know, Brian is not the one to be babied, you know? Right. So he's going to work through this on his own. We told him, don't do it. He did it anyway. He's going to work through it. He's going to be okay, but we just keep a closer eye on him now. Yeah. yeah. Well, and also, it can't be easy seeing him weak like this and mm-hmm. knowing that he's pushing his body harder than it's ready to go. Like, that can't be easy right. for them to, to watch. To witness, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And in this scene, even the position of their bikes is kind of telling. Like Brian is behind them; he's right. at, he's at the back, and, yeah. and he's always been the leader, the one that they that's out front and that they are following in some way. And so, not only has he fallen behind, but here he had to just accept straight up defeat. Like he had to stop. Right, he had to stop in the middle mm-hmm. and walk out. Yeah. Well, Emmett is home at Debbie's, and he's on the phone handling business. He gets another call. It's Sierra. She says that they need to talk um, right uh, away, like ooh. right now. So they meet up for lunch, and she is upset. She feels the best way to deal with the situation is to sit down and discuss it. And she was in the shower this morning when Drew got the call. Oh. (laughs) It's their wedding planner, and she's going to be out of commission for a few months, and they can't postpone their wedding. So Sierra has decided that she wants Emmett to handle it, and Emmett has no words. Girl, I was like, Emmett, you trifling if you say yes. I know. You a trifling, good for nothing type of brother, okay? Yeah. Oh, she's begging him to say yes. Well, he doesn't think that Drew would want him to plan their wedding. And Sierra says, well, I know he comes off as gruff, but he's also kind and loving and honest. He's my hero. And Sierra, you just won your man back, girl, with this. Yeah. Her mom always says that to have the perfect marriage, you need to start off with a perfect wedding. And she just knows that Emmett will give him a perfect start. And I'm like, girl... Having a fiance that's not currently cheating on you <laughs> would be a good start. I'm letting you know right now, okay? If your girl only knew. You sitting there in my face asking me. I mean, I'm sitting there in your face while you're asking me to plan your wedding. You just don't know last night your husband had, well, your fiance had me bent over. Yeah. You know, in the little mo- in the motel room. <laughs> right. Okay? Probably bringing back some bed bugs. Y'all shit. You know, yeah. like, uh-uh. Like, girl. Mm-hmm. um. This scene was too much. Like, I was yeah. like, I don't know what I'm... If Emmett says yes to this, like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's up. You know, I do want to give Emmett points for going to the lunch. Because he didn't know what she was going he to talk about. He thought they had gotten caught. Yeah, he thought they had gotten found out. Yeah, and so, so he, he was showed address up, it. Yeah. yeah, to talk to her. So I do give him points for that. I realize it's a moot point because she doesn't know. Um, But uh, it's not his place to outdrew. It's not. Yet. But this, this is the moment here where it made me feel bad about right. like in the drew situation right. because i mean she really is a she loves this man she does you know? yeah. like she does she really wants this to work she has no idea that this man 
has a little bit of um, sprinkle in him. Like, she don't know anything. She's oblivious to everything. She is head over heels in love with, with Drew, mm-hmm. period. And she want to make she want to make it all work. She said this man was her hero. Yeah. She said he was honest and loving and caring. I mean, she just listed a ton of things. And just watching Emmett's face crush mm-hmm. because Drew would— if she really knew the real Drew, she would never say those things, yeah. you know? Well, the thing, I bet that, I bet in just their relationship, he, he probably is those, is those, the, those yeah. things and does genuinely give her those things, but that's not all of who he is. Exactly. And so there's this whole other part of him that he doesn't get to be in that relationship. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah. Mm-hmm. Ugh, it was, just, it was, that was a sad scene for yeah. me. Yeah. Okay. Now nah, we can't look yeah. the woman in the face. No, nah, like now nah, I feel we can't sit across from her. And yeah. Emmett had better have picked up that check. Yeah, for real, bro. <laughs> like, oh my God. I felt terrible. Cause y'all know I've been the main advocate of like, go Drew, go Emmett. Like, I mean, screaming, happy, yeah. all this. Because I do like the idea of them together. I do. But it, the circumstances are yeah. all the to see the wrong. hurt. I could feel although she doesn't know, I could feel her hurt when she finds out. You know, yeah. I could feel that hurt. And I was like, oh, hell no. Like, oh, it would just be devastating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, Hunter is at school looking for Callie, and he finds her heading to class, I presume. And he waited for her outside of the cafeteria, but she didn't show up. And she says she had to study. Hunter is trying to keep things cool and not too awkward, but he knows that he wants to know where they stand. And he asks if her parents told her about the talk, and they did. And they told her that he was a prostitute. That he had sex with men, and that's how he got, that's how he became positive. And she wants to know why he didn't tell her. Well, the reasons are pretty obvious. She thinks that Hunter's past makes him gay, and he thought he was until he met her. And I think he just acted on what was routine and what he had been doing. And when he was in a place to have a choice, he realized, oh, maybe this is my choice. Maybe I'm not, maybe I'm not gay. I mean, Hunter hits on Brian all the time still, but... But that's when he was still in his that hustler was, yeah, mode. Yeah, that was transactional. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, and he was going to hustler bars and things like that. Like, Right. And, and that's I, just all he knew to do. Exactly. And then here's Brian, who's attractive, but also successful, has money. That would be a good, yeah, that's a a good, good score for him. Yeah. And then even when he wasn't necessarily on the street anymore, like, I think, you know, okay, a lot of people would consider their sexuality of Brian Kenny were on the table. Right. So. No, for real. <laughs> Facts. Yeah. yeah. But anyway... Uh, Callie says all she can think about is him with all those men, them doing things to Hunter. And Hunter tells her, like, I don't do that anymore. Like, you know, that's that's over. But that's doing nothing to erase those images from her mind. Correct. Uh, I love that he was really honest with her, though. Mm -hmm. He said, I thought I was. But one thing I I can commend him on is that he never played like the sympathy card. He never said, this is my life. I I went through this, this, and this, and this this put me on this path over here. Right. Uh, I want her to realize that you're not saying all these guys. You're saying all these men. Mm-hmm. You know how old this guy is. He couldn't consent to any of that stuff. Mm-hmm. That's rape. Mm-hmm. You know, he couldn't consent. So please, like, I know it happened and your parents or if told you that. dubious consent at yes, best. you know. Because he had no choice, kind of. Exactly. You know? So I, I feel like it should be a little leeway for him in that, you know, like. I had to make, and you already know I'm living with foster parents. Mm-hmm. I had to make these choices. Mm-hmm. You know, I had to make these choices for my own survival and my and my safety. And yes, I, I did do some things that was unethical. I did do some things that, you know, that I thought was me. But after I met you, I realized that I'm in love. And I realized well, this is what I want. And after, you know? 
I didn't have to do that to survive, yeah. to be able to afford a sandwich, then it was like, okay, well, I don't, I don't enjoy that. I don't want to do that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, um, but you know, even when knowing the situation, even knowing all that, for some people, it can be hard for them to accept that their partner has a past, right? And Hunter's past isn't exactly normal. No, it's not normal at and all. And he had a whole life before her, even if he was forced into it, and it wasn't always by choice. But, uh, yeah, so I think that's just where she is. just kind of hard for her to accept what that, what mm-hmm. that past was. But, yeah, I'm glad that they showed us this because it would be foolish to pretend that Hunter isn't facing any obstacles. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there are people in his position, and be they his age or 10 years older or 20 years older in the real, real world, who have had to have similar conversations like this one and expose themselves to possible judgment and rejection and I feel like it's important for people to see that and to get to see it through Hunter instead of just an older person like mm-hmm. Vic or Ben. I think it's important to see it from Hunter's perspective. Too. Absolutely. We see Brian at the diner reading a paper and Ted and Justin come in with their gym gear. And they just heard that Remsen Pharmaceuticals is uh, sponsoring the Liberty Ride to the tune of $100,000. <laughs> and they didn't say anything, of course. They didn't tie this back to Brian in front of anybody, but having been trained not to divulge any information on penalty of death, but they both know the fingerprints of Brian Kinney are all over this. And Justin is thinking that since Brian found this huge way to contribute and support the cause, and now he can forget about the ride. Forget the ride, baby. Yeah. Like, Hey, you, you made an impact. You did your thing for us. Like, okay, now go chill. Take, because they just saw him. Right. Struggle. Nearly passed out. Yeah. 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 And um, Ted pats him on the shoulder and tells him to take care of himself. Maybe go take a nap. And Ted's just joking, but that's not how Brian's, <laughs> no. like, Brian's done with that. And he cuts him off, asking if they want to cut his meat up for him, too, <laughs> because they're treating him like an invalid, which right. he's never wanted. And Justin and Ted leaves to go train, and Debbie comes over to freshen up Brian's poison. And he wants to know what makes Debbie think he wants to kill himself. And she says, well, the look on your face is the first clue. But also, she knows that this is hard for him, being coddled and being the one who everyone else is worrying about and who everyone else has to look out for when he's used to being the one taking care of everyone and everything. And Brian says, well, yeah, maybe I should have killed myself. And Debbie says, well, there's an alternative to going out in a blaze of glory, which Brian is aware of, but he really hasn't figured out how to do that just yet. And Debbie says, the alternative is to give them all a big uh, middle finger. Fuck you. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. She tells him that she always says that it's because of her that Vic survived those last four years because she fed him, she bathed him, and Brian knows this speech. He's like, yeah, you wiped his his ass. And then you see that small look of embarrassment because she's recently realized that she probably told everybody that that damn story too much. Yeah, but she says the truth is Vic fought hard. Every time a new infection hit or some new medicine would make him feel worse than what it was supposed to be curing, he reached down into some unfathomable part of himself and said, I'm not giving up yet. And she gives him that tip before she um, tells Brian, now he can give her one of the monetary kind. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. That part. And baby, I want the good one. Yeah. But I like this scene. Brian needed that from her. He like, did. We know that Vic has been a stream of consciousness for Brian mm-hmm. of sorts lately. And I think of the many things that he can learn from him. That's a great lesson. And I'm glad that Debbie shared it. Um, yeah, and I love that Debbie was the one who had this moment with him. Yeah. Like, you would think it would be Justin or someone else, but Debbie, she saw what it was going through. And it wasn't many words that they had, mm-hmm. you know? And I think I told you after watching the show, it's one of those things, they don't have to say a lot. I mean, a few words can mean a million between Debbie and Brian. Like, mm-hmm. just a look 
can they can communicate um, with each other. Although she's very hard on him, she still loves this man. Yeah. She loves him like her own son. And um, she knows when he's hurting and when he's going through something. I mean, she's good at reading him and reading her boys. Um, so the fact that she came over, gave him that story, they gave him the fight that he needed, you know, because he has to feel down and out. He can't hang up with his boys anymore. Everybody's treating him like he's a child. The doctor's telling him to slow it down. He's down on himself. I mean, like, just yeah. the whole world just felt like it's caving in on this man. Mm-hmm. But I feel like Debbie gave, Debbie gave him the ammunition he needed to start rebuilding or firing off, you know, something. Yeah. Yeah, because he decided to go through with the the surgery and the treatment, but I think because of how that's making him feel, he and also he just didn't plan for what's going to come after. Like the recovery Yeah, parts. I don't think uh-huh. he really thought about what that was going to look like and how long that was going to take. He and thought so, it was going to be cut, removed, I'm normal. Yeah, like everything's fine, nothing yeah. happened, nothing to see here. But now he's trying to figure out, okay, what now and what next? And does he just accept that things as they are or does he become this person who takes naps throughout the day, you know, and can't make it through a cycling class. Like, do you go back to being the old thing that you were, or do you become some new thing? And if you become mm-hmm. some new thing, what is, what is that? And I like that Debbie is wearing a hug a homo shirt in this theme <laughs> because that's what he needs. Right. Verbal hug. And I also like that she's, she's in front of him, like pouring his coffee, but she comes and sits beside Next him. him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, not telling him what to do, but really wanting him to hear and understand what she's saying and wanting to let him know that like, hey, I'm here with you. I mm-hmm. understand. I see what's going on. I love that scene. Yeah, it was a really yeah. nice. Good one. Yeah. Well, Michael and Lindsay have uh, set up a bed smack dab in the middle of the living room for Melanie. Um, Michael is worried about the baby and um, how difficult pregnancy can be. Well, he's glad he's a guy after seeing all of that. And Lindsay says that there are so many pleasures and Melanie as, yeah, along with the pain. like oh, I Melanie, was like, girl. Melanie, she going to slip it in wherever she, she can. <laughs> she always going to slip it, girl. Yeah, she good. Yeah. Well, they get Melanie situated and with as much help as she will allow. And Michael kisses them both goodbye. And then it's just the two of them. And we talked about how they're not they're not telling anybody. No. Like Brian knows because Lindsay told him. Right. But they are not telling anybody this is about. locked. Yeah, okay. Like these girls the ain't affair. told shit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I mean, she was gonna tell Debbie, but Debbie cut that shit short. Yeah, but I mean, nobody else. I mean, nobody else in, no their, in their circle knows. Melanie gets up to go get some water, but Lindsay stops her and she says, "Until the baby is born, I will be your your arms and legs." And so for now, Melanie is stuck in bed, and they are stuck with each other. That's some terrible ass shit. Like I don't mind doing stuff for Brad, but I couldn't imagine being on the shit list <laughs> and then have to still be your slave. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like, girl. Yeah. Don't give him no bail. <laughs> like, <laughs> for real. Lindsay, like, it's going to be a murder up um, in here. <laughs> yeah, for real, girl. I feel for you. Okay. Yeah. Oh, we see over at the hotel, the motel, I'm sorry. Drew has been waiting for Emmett. <laughs> Don't be doing my babies, okay? You doing that shit on purpose I, now. Okay. I might be. <laughs> um, yeah, but he's a really good product rep because he's sitting there in his brown athletic Oh, I, I didn't know if you caught the BA. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And he's got on very little else. Um, mm. Emmett is late because he was with Sierra and oh. um, he left Drew a very distraught fiance. And Drew's like, you didn't tell her, did you? Well, Emmett didn't. He's like, I'm going to leave that up to you. But Emmett just told her that he couldn't plan their wedding. And Drew doesn't sound like enthused about the wedding, but he doesn't. I think his thing is like, this is what it's got to be. Yeah. It's, it's just resolved about the I'm wedding. I'm pretty sure he was probably relieved when the wedding, because he's enjoying what he's doing. Right. Because who's to say that, you know. Some people like to play around. I, I've heard people say, until the day I say I do, 
I'm going to keep doing me. But right. when I get when I say those vows, I really take the Lord's word right. seriously. So I'm not going to I'm not going to continue that path that I was on. So we never know. You know, maybe Bru- right. Drew is a playboy. He, gonna, he out here sowing his little oats. And then, um, you know, once they get on to the altar, you know, he's going to cut. I can all totally that see that. I can totally you know? see that. And him just be like, OK, this is the path I chose. Right. Doubling down on this. Exactly. Is what I'm doing. Yeah. I so, can totally I mean, see that. I think he feels a little relieved that the wedding couldn't go through and then Emmett <laughs> declined it. So he's like, oh, hell yeah. Like, you know, come here. <laughs> oh, Sierra, gonna get that wedding plan. Oh, she is. Sierra, don't she said she can't worry. cancel nothing. Don't okay. you worry. She gonna Pinterest her way through that. <laughs> what what should you not? You know what I'm saying? What is it? Do it yourself? <laughs> yeah, she gonna DIY the yeah, first yeah. time. Yeah. Uh, or DIY, sorry. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, anyway, Emmett wants to know when Drew is planning on telling. Telling Sierra about them because to Emmett it looks like okay we're gonna keep moving forward with this or whatever. And Emmett is insane. This is when I was like, <laughs> Emmett, hush, you yeah. about to ruin my life. Well, he says, um, you know, when are you gonna tell her about about you and about us? And uh, she loves you, worships you, adores you, and she believes in you. And Emmett says it'll be devastating for her if she ever found out, like facts. if she just accidentally found out. And Drew doesn't see why she or anyone else would would find out. And um, it may be the truth, but he has nothing to gain and everything to lose if this little truth does get out. He that says, sounds shitty. Yeah, which it is. But I also, it's like, oh. I feel it, yeah. but it sounds shitty. He says, I'm an industry, a brand built on being this all-American, full of testosterone, Facts? straight man. Yeah. And he would lose his money, he his would. friends, his teammates, his fans, his endorsements. Absolutely. Everything. On all of that. And he says he would lose the thing that he loves most in the world, and that's playing football. And he would likely lose that, too. Yeah, he, he, girl, he'd be fired. He'd be, yeah. he'd be done. <laughs> and uh, all of that is true. And he, he adds that he loves Sierra and that he does want a wife and kids just like everyone, everyone else. And now if that's because it's been programmed in him or because he really wants that, I don't really know. Not really for— My thing is, like, you did not name Emmett and none of that shit. Right, exactly. Well, that's what Emma says. Like, well, okay, well, where does that leave us? And Drew says, well, nothing has to change. No one needs to know. And he puts his reassuring arm around Emmett, around his shoulders. And I like Emmett's response and how he removes Drew's arm. And he says, everything you said makes perfectly good sense. And I'm sure most people would agree with you. Why tell anyone? Why lose anything when it can be your little secret? But it was different for Emmett. His little secret was obvious from the start. He's been beaten up, spit on, cursed at from day one. And he's always dealt with the persecution that Drew fears. And Emmett says, in a way, it's been worth it because he's never had to live a lie. Come through. Uh, Yeah. And he says he's not about to start now, not for Drew or anyone. And with that, he leaves. And he leaves Drew and his truth locked behind that closed door Number i like 12. how they do that like close that yeah, close that, that door that put door you back in the closet you're gonna stay in the mm-hmm. closet but i'm not staying there with you no and in that moment my eyes reopened yeah. and i was happy again like that was a true emmett moment mm-hmm. emmett has always stood up for gays <laughs> and for what it what he always stood up for what what was right for him right i mean just when it went down to vic and then telling a story um telling a story about um his aunt uh, what was the story about his uh, that living on the hill and how he always wanted to live yeah. up in the rich area mm-hmm. and things like that? Like, he's always done what he needs to do for himself and him creeping around in and out of motel rooms, not yeah. even hotels, you know, but motel rooms. 
that was just that wasn't in it at yeah. all, you know. And I'm I'm glad. I think there's a thrill with that. It was depending on what you're looking for in right. life. Like if you just want something casual, cool. Quick but we know that's up. not in it. No, the, that's never that's, been yeah. in it. Well, he said that he was falling for Drew. Yeah. And so that is where it was. There was a time when it was just fun, mm-hmm. but then he started falling for him, and it's like, okay, when I start thinking about a relationship that I want with someone, can I handle a relationship with someone who's in the closet? Some people can. But other people are like, no, that doesn't work for me. Yeah, it doesn't work for him. So, I mean, like, he lives too freely. He couldn't be sneaking around. And then also hearing, I mean, Sierra just, I mean, sealed it. I mean, when she hit him up, if if she would have told him that and then Drew was like, I'm going to tell her this week, I mean, then he would be like, fuck it, you know. But he was like, I'm never going to tell her. Which means that with or without you, Emmett, it's always going to be somebody else. He's going to continue to do this. He's going to always find little fans or it's going to be this, even if once they get married, like you said, and they don't do it anymore. Okay, but you were doing it the whole time we were dating and exactly. engaged, and yep. you never told me that, mm-hmm. you know, or you were never going to tell me that. So true. But I was, I was, it was a proud moment for me, and I needed to get over that fantasy. I needed <laughs> to get over that. And um, I would was, you would you date someone who was in the closet if you weren't in the relationship? Right um, probably, you know, because I, I I enjoy like um, now I, it probably would have lasted the same as um as Emmett to be honest. Like in the very beginning, it sounds fun and exciting. Like no one knows it's. It's uh, mysterious, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, like you say, you kind of develop feelings for people. I want to be able to call you, see you anytime I want. I want to be able to go out. I don't want to mm-hmm. be able to, I don't want you buying out restaurants and me only being there with you, you know? I don't want to feel like a dirty little secret. Right. So, I mean, it probably would have lasted the same amount of time that Emmett's would have lasted. Yeah. And this one is a little bit different than what Justin and Ethan had going on because their friends knew that they were in a relationship. It was just for his career, yeah. he couldn't be in a relationship. Exactly. But this was like no nobody, nobody but this motel room can know. So, yeah. But anyway, when I'm watching this, it's so easy to like should all over people. And Drew should do this. He should do that. Emmett lost his family. So Drew should be willing to do mm-hmm. the same. And his sexuality shouldn't affect his game. It's real easy to do all that, but should assumes that the world and people are perfect and fair yeah, and logical, and, and that's just not the case. <laughs> like even in twenty twenty two, there are people who still live this way, like like Drew, and they can't be who they are in public, and so they have to be who they are in private. Absolutely, and so they have two lives or three lives yeah. or whatever. And it's not just athletes; it's normal everyday people as mm-hmm. well who are afraid to lose their jobs, their family, like all that they've come to accomplish, and everything that they kind of hold dear. They would lose all of that if they told the truth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I have a lot of respect for the fact that everyone is on their own journey. And I'm never going to drag somebody out of the closet and tell you, it's 2022. You should just come on out. Like, <laughs> <because> <laughs> you don't know right. what is internally going on in any person. Exactly. And why you feel like, well, so what? You lose your career. So what? You can go do something else. Or they should just accept it. Like, you don't know how real that is to somebody else. And so, yeah. Um, not your place. Not my place, I would say, yeah. But I think if Emmett didn't go through what he went through with Ted, he probably would have put up with this for a little while longer. Right. But he had to learn not to lose himself in trying to love someone else. True. And he's stronger now because he realizes that he has to be fair to himself and respect himself when he's in a relationship mm-hmm. and not just let all that go as long as that other person is happy and getting right. what, they want, what they want. He can understand why Drew may need to live a lie, but he can't let himself do it. Mm-mm. And that's the Emmett that we know. And it's hard to move on. I mean, especially because we already know he has the feelings for him, but he had to make this move. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm still hurting. <laughs> <laughs> well, because that was he was living vicariously. Yes, for, you know, you're living vicariously through him. Yeah, still hurting. But yeah. Um, I understand. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, we see Ben and Michael trying to console Hunter, and he is near hysterical, asking what girl is going to want him when she finds out what he has and how he got uh-huh. it. Yeah, it makes me sad for him. And they try to tell him that he'll find someone, like they are an example. But Hunter, Hunter says it's different with a guy and a girl, and that's exactly what Michael was worried about. You can kind of see that on his face where he's like, oh, this was my fear. Like This is the thing that I didn't want to happen. And Hunter says that a girl might want to have kids one day, and he can't do that. But Ben's like, hey, no, that's not true. They're working on it. And actually, we can say now they made it. They worked on it. Yeah, yes. <laughs> they did work on it. Um, but Hunter regrets telling her. And that way, you know, no one would know. It wouldn't be an issue if I wouldn't have told her. No, I'm glad he did. Yeah, but that, tell, was very that was the honorable right. thing to do. Mm-hmm. And aside from any frustration or shame, Hunter really cares about her. And so I think that is what's really bothering him. Like now no one is going is going to, to, love, to me love me because mm-hmm. of, of who I am and what I've done. Um, but Ben tells him that's not true. Like they love him, positive or not, gay or not. And Michael says, so will others, including girls. And I think this is when Michael is seeing okay, we can do this. We can parent a straight son. Exactly. Because he needs to know that he is loved and valued for who and how he is. And that's across the board with anybody, Mm -hmm. any kid, any person. Yeah, he's like, that is universal. That part of it is very universal. We we can do that. Yeah, and so they tell him, you just got to give it time. It's a heartbreaking scene because, but I love to see Hunter accept their encouragement and support. Thinking about when we first saw him, and now he's in the bed crying with his two dads, yeah. hugging him, like. And the, and then where we saw with Michael yeah. started from this, and how yeah. you know, like this whole it has relationship. not been smooth sailing. No. But I'm forever glad that Ben took an interest in Hunter, and that they took him in, and that Michael came around. Because girl, you know, I was on Michael's side. Like yeah. I was like, get rid of this badass kid, <laughs> throw his ass out, like get the switch, some, <laughs> like somebody. Yeah. Yeah, because he, he was a rough one. But Girl. I'm so glad that they didn't give up. And also that he stay, stuck around. Yeah. So I'll give it a chance to work. Because I just knew one day they were going to come home. He was, they were, remember I kept saying, oh, he's going to rob him. Yeah. Don't give him that key. <laughs> Don't give him that key. He's going to rob you. Yeah, they did home come home that one day and he was working. Yeah, at the, he at the, at the house. Yeah. Thank Lord. Yeah. Thank God that was only, that was it. Yeah. Well, back over at the loft, Justin is coming out of the shower and Brian is heading out. Justin asks if he's going asks if he's going to Babylon, and Brian says, "Hopefully, he'll have the strength for one quick spin around the floor." And uh, Brian has been following his and the doctor's orders for the most part, so Justin doesn't say anything other than "Don't make noise when you come in." Like he needs to get up early for spin class. Uh, I said this last episode, but they're such an old married couple. They are <laughs> like, "Don't wake me up when you come in." <laughs> That part. Yeah. Be and, quiet. I have yeah, to be up early. Yeah. And what Bri- 20-year-old says I know. That's that. why Brian looks at him like, oh, my gosh. Yeah. Are, you, are you kidding me? And then he says, you youngsters. I don't know how you get your strength. And Justin's been on Brian about him getting his rest and not being as young as he used to be. But here he's taking, like, talking about his need to go to sleep <laughs> so he can get up early in the morning. Yeah. I love how every time Brian makes a joke about Justin being young, he pats him on the head and yes. Justin like uh-huh. swats his hand away. Oh, come here, little baby. I'm sure he gets on Justin's nerves mm-hmm. all the time. Oh, girl, you know he does. Yeah. Well, Brian goes and then we see him under the strobe lights with music blasting and his head's bobbing. And so it looks like he's at Babylon, but he is not. He is in the he's spinning preparing. room. Yeah. yeah. He is pedaling hard and fast, eyes focused, mind determined. You can't <laughs> stop Brian Kenny when Brian Kenny's on a mission. Right. Okay. Yeah. I guarantee you come. He, he gonna be he may not be first, but he's gonna beat the rest of the gang. Okay. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll bet money if, on if that. If that's the last thing they he does. They finished together. They will finish together. <laughs> 
he's gonna do this for the next five weeks or whatever the race is. He's gonna keep doing this, this late night on his own, on his own pace. He's gonna build that, that strength and endurance up. Yeah. Well, and this is something that he needs to do for him, or at least attempt for himself. If he ultimately decides he can can't pull it off, he needs to know like it's because I could not do it, not because they told me I couldn't do it. And yeah, so this might just be a personal and private victory for him, but it's still super important. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I'm proud of Brian. And I knew he was going to get it because y'all, y'all been doing the most. Y'all laughing at him, you know, not really you know, including him and everything. Brian going to show y'all. He can show you better than he can tell you. Yeah. So, I knew. I knew he was going to end it like that. Yeah. Yo, oh, Mr. Kenny. Mm-mm. Well, that's the episode. It was. But I like this episode because, I mean, it wasn't. Like you said, it, it was like the pulp. It yeah, wasn't all it's not the juice. Yeah, it's the pulp. It yeah, wasn't the juice. Yeah, it was real life. Like I mean, situations that were so relatable. We mm-hmm. all could go through. We all can relate to everything that was happening in in this episode. I mean, I'm not sure everybody can relate, but I mean, it was very relatable. Yeah, you know, and um, yeah, it was, it was done so well. I liked mm-hmm. it so much. And and I never, we never get a, a crap ton of Mel and, and Lindsay. I mean, we get enough, but we never get a lot. I'm dying to see what's fixing to happen with this. Yeah. Because Melanie is going to let her ass have it. You know? <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> Melanie's going to let her ass have it. So I want to see uh, what's happening between Mel and Lindsay. And I definitely want to um, see what's going to go on with Hunter and Callie. Because mm-hmm. I really want that to work. Like, yeah. oh, I do. I want it to work. I'm over my Drew shit. I'm over that. Um, <laughs> I wouldn't mind having, you know, Brian go visit Stockwell in prison or something. And then they do a, a conjugal asylum. You know, I wouldn't mind that. I was just like, you know, I don't know if he go visit him in the in the Pennsylvania pen. Yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. What are your thoughts? Uh, that's it. Yeah. yeah, I'm excited for the next two. Yeah, I know. We're moving on along, guys. We are moving along. Well, guys, we'd like to hear y'all comments and um your commentary. You have any questions for us? You know how to reach us. Hit us up and let us know what you thought about this episode here. Um, what do you guys think about the parents? How did they react? Uh. How do you think they should have reacted um, when regarding Callie and Hunter's um, situation and them going through the diary and finding all of that out? And let us know what you think about that, because that's something that I would love to hear about uh, with, you know, me having family members who dealt with HIV and AIDS complications. So I would love to hear you guys thoughts and so we can talk it out. And until next time, guys, we are out of here. Bye. Bye.